At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, friends, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast and to our live pastors panel on reopening the church. Uh, I'm Ben Hardman. I'm here with co-founder Ben Sternke. It's hey a double ben, double ben day. Uh-huh. One of those. Uh, and uh, we're here joined with some amazing pastors. We've got a really great panel today. Uh, to talk about reopening the church and talk about what our plans are and how we're navigating all the chaos of this day. It feels like uh, information is so fluid, right? It feels like there's something different every week. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's some kind of new information that we get, some kind of new pivot that we as pastors have to take. Uh, There's so much amazing innovation going on. Um, I'm getting a sense that pastors are a little tired right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that the fluidness of information and the fatigue of like we're doing something different every week is causing lots of chaos and trials and troubles. And so want to talk about those things. And, and uh, we've invited some of our friends to join us. Uh, and I'd love you guys to just kind of do a quick introduction of who you are and uh, where you are. Um, a little bit about your ministry and uh, maybe a little bit about your family. So who wants to who wants to kick us off? I'll go first. Uh, my Come name on. is Justin, and uh, Justin Wallace. I am in Concord, North Carolina, just uh, northeast of Charlotte, North Carolina, at a church called One Life Church. I've been here for four years. This church is fifteen years old, and uh, yeah, love it. I have a great team and uh, some amazing leaders. I'm married to Nicole and have two kids, Marcus and Madeline. Awesome. Justin's a good friend. We've been good friends for a long time and we've not hung out in a really long time, Justin. So I, I kind of feel like I just want to hang out with you. So maybe we'll just start talking about sports or something. There are no sports, but maybe we'll talk. I don't know. I don't know what we'll talk about. <laughs> the last dance. We can talk the last, about the last dance. dance. It's been good. We can talk about Jordan. Yeah, Is Jordan go. a goat? Put that at the question <laughs> on the bottom there. Uh, so the yeah. last question we asked. That's, that's the next pastor's panel. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate the last dance. Uh, Amanda, tell us who you are and where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah, um, my name is Amanda, and um, my husband Dan and I moved to New York City about seven years ago from the Midwest with our um, now six kids, and we planted a church on Roosevelt Island in New York, and um, actually a year ago yesterday, I was installed as the lead pastor there um, so that he could go plant another church in Queens. Um, and so we have two churches in New York city and we have a whole lot of kids. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, they're right. I mean, they're very New York churches. And mm. so a mix of people from all over the world. Um, and we love them and we miss them dearly. So. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Glad to have you, Amanda. Love your family. Uh, Juliet, tell yeah, us about I'm yourself. My name is Juliette Liu. Um, I am from the Chicago area where I've been pastoring a church called Life on the Vine uh, for the past five years. We're, uh, I think, 19 years old as a church, so I've been there for five as a pastor, uh, a little over 10 as a member of the congregation. And um, married to my husband, Sheldon, we've got two boys, nine and 12 years old, and um, been riding bikes a lot lately been faking a lot lately um but yeah that's it yeah and and uh you you worked with matt way back <clears throat> in the day right matt tebby yeah well we never got to pastor together but matt oh. was my pastor at life on the vine so um I'm i sorry. joined yeah i joined <laughs> and then like six months later he left so it was hard not to take that personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for like Matt as a 20 year old pastor stories. Uh, that's what I was. Oh, I, was I still have those. That. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll be, a, that'll be another panel that we'll do maybe in the future of uh, just. Uh, Sign me up. About, let's talk about Matt when he was 25. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Brian, tell us who you are, where you're at. You bet. Uh, my name is Brian Mills. I am the pastor of Meadow Heights Church. We're about so 100 miles south of St. Louis, Missouri. I've been uh, on staff at the church in some capacity or another for almost 27 years, I guess. Been the uh, senior pastor for almost 20. And we do church in three small towns. So we're actually a rural multi-site church. And uh, I'm a former elementary and middle school teacher who is quite surprised to turn out to be a pastor, but I'm enjoying it, having the time of my life, a little more challenging lately. I have a wife named Brenda, and my two children have given us four wonderful grandchildren who all live here in the same town and are part of our church, so that's extra special. That's and uh, we love, love gravity and glad to be a part of today's conversation. Yeah, thanks for being here, Brian. We love what you're doing in Missouri. And uh, Brian, you have the best podcast voice of anybody on, on the, uh, you, you have a radio voice, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. love your ministry there in Missouri and love all the stuff that you guys are doing. You have a really great team. And, and so uh, I'm really thankful for everybody uh, being here and, uh, and, and want to open this up. If you're uh, joining us live, uh, go ahead and type your name in the, in the chat bar. Tell us where you're at. And, uh, and if you got any questions as we're navigating all of this, feel free to type any questions in the comment bar there on the side it looks like matt is listening uh and mm -hmm. wants to tell us some stories about when mm -hmm. he was 25 um matt you're not on this podcast it's just been <laughs> uh, so you don't get uh, your comments don't get to be uh get to go live uh, on this one you get enough time on some of the other ones uh so we're glad that you guys are here uh we want to talk about reopening uh, the church. And, and, uh, the first question that I have is, is just kind of this question. It's, it's super easy. It's just an easy question that everybody's got figured out. It's that idea of when and how are you planning to gather again? Uh, when and how are you planning to gather again? And what are you thinking in, in, in concerns to, um, reopening? Uh, cause I know that everybody's kind of been doing the online thing. 
uh, and kind of what's your thought process in terms of gathering again? Uh, and I know this differs a lot depending on where you're at in the country, uh, depending yeah. on what's going on. I'm in Georgia. Uh, and so in Georgia, we, we decided about four weeks ago to go ahead and open up those massage parlors and bowling alleys <laughs> and all those kinds of, all the important things that we need in life, uh, tattoos, uh, all those kinds of things yeah, yeah. we opened up. It actually wasn't four weeks ago. Sorry. My sarcasm gets ahead of me. Uh, but before everybody else say, did, <laughs> before everybody else did, we decided to do all of those things. Uh, so uh, I'd love to hear from you in, in your context and in your city. What are you thinking and, and what are you planning? Uh, Brian, I, I watched a video that you did uh, for your church last week, and you did a really tremendous job uh, just sharing kind of what your community is thinking about. Will you, will you kick us off? Yeah, I'd be happy to. We, uh, like I said, we're in small towns and we're here in the Midwest. So we haven't been hit nearly as hard as some of you have in your areas. And our state is reopen has begun reopening this week. So relaxing a lot of the local expectations, similar to what you were describing, Ben, in Georgia. And so um, it, it, it's a real challenge, of course, to, to make this decision. I'm sure we'll get into some of the you know, criteria here in just a moment. But at the moment, we're saying we will still gather online only until at least May 31st. We are putting together strategies to open on that weekend, but we're also reserving the possibility that we could delay further, depending on what happens on the ground here in our communities. Uh, when we do uh, begin gathering, we will continue the online gathering for those who aren't comfortable for whatever reason, uh, gathering in person again. And we'll put together some sort of schedule. We have three, three churches and three facilities. So uh, we'll put together some sort of a schedule, probably at least one gathering in each one of those facilities. So we are back in each of the communities that we usually serve. That's great. That's great. Very good. Amanda, what are you guys thinking? I know New York City has been hit really hard. And so um, uh, the kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you say May 31st and it's like it doesn't even... <laughs> and like that doesn't compute um, to me right now because um, there's still we're still in New York. Um, New York as a whole, they're starting to talk about, OK, what's the criteria for parts of the state reopening? But New York City is a very different, very different beast. Um, <clears throat> and so, I mean, right now we have I mean, our conversations are much more. OK, well, do you think we'll be gathering again for public worship in this calendar year or will it not be until January? I mean, those are some of the conversations that we're having. Um, yeah. Obviously listening to what's coming from scientists and government and um, watching numbers and, and seeing everything, but it's not for us. We're anticipating there will be a process of the amount of people that were, will be allowed to gather who aren't related. Um, and that slowly uh, moving back up to um, to something the size of a Sunday morning worship gathering. And so we're thinking much more about, okay, well, when, when we're able to gather with 10 people, okay, what does a house church watching of our live stream look like? Okay. When it's 25, all right. When it's 50. Um, and then having a lot of thoughts too about our, um, our kids ministry, knowing that parents aren't going to want to be sending them into right. you know a, a kids ministry program and so families what's what's family style ministry look like um 
So yeah, so we have, I think, way more questions um, than answers at this point, because for us, the news, it's, it's not heading in one direction still mm-hmm. there's a lot of twists and turns mm-hmm. i'm happening and my yeah. prayer is my prayer for the rest of the state that's starting to reopen is that um you're not premature as things yeah. are you know moving across the state yeah. um but <clears throat> yeah that's where we're at in new york is it's um it's really more looking at that incremental mm-hmm. as incremental phases yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's that's actually how we're processing it in in Atlanta, um, which is probably an in between of New York and Missouri. I would imagine with the uh, amount of cases and and those kinds of things is we're really thinking about social spaces. Um, uh, we we have missional communities which we call house churches, uh, and trying to figure out when is the appropriate time. And so we're we've got that first of June date on the calendar right now as a reevaluation point. Mm-hmm. Um, but reevaluating first of June and kind of looking at the numbers that week and when is that time where we start opening up those mid-sized groups uh for uh to do church in homes in in groups of 10 or 20 or whatever the number is that we feel is appropriate. Um, but then continuing to do an online gathering for people that just don't feel comfortable going out at this point. Uh, yeah. Our congregation is really split in an interesting way of uh, life as usual. There's nothing going on. Everybody's fine. Stop whining. Uh, <laughs> and I'm terrified and I'm never leaving my home again. Mm. Uh, is really about 50-50 in our congregation, which is really interesting. Ministry in the South is super fun. Uh <laughs> Uh, so speaking of ministry in the South, Justin, uh, <laughs> how, how are you guys managing this, thinking about this, all those yeah. things? <clears throat> yeah, I, I would say that, you know, North Carolina um, did a great job of uh, shutting things down early. Um, so the number of cases that we have here in the Charlotte area aren't, aren't you know, we don't have huge amount of cases, but we're grateful for that. You know, we're, we're grateful that um, the leadership of North Carolina did what they needed to do quickly and decisively. And um, and then also with our church, we, we made decisions to shut things down quickly and decisively. But the reopening for us, I, I'm going to lean towards the conservative, like slow side. I, I just I cannot find a place in me that wants to put my people at risk, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the more I think about it and the more I pray about it, I just I don't I don't have a date in mind. Like I I don't see any time where I'm willing to have a conversation about reopening our our physical gathering until after July 4th. Um, I don't I don't foresee me even entertaining that conversation until then. Um, But uh, at the same time, um, I think this is a time when we can be uh, super innovative about empowering our people to be the church in their homes and to experience our online gathering together. And, and not have to put our people at risk. Um, something my wife and I've been saying is we don't want to be the guinea pigs. Um, you know, yeah. one of the doctors in our church, um, she said at the very beginning of this, you don't want to be the church on the news for an outbreak. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, so those are the things that just keep running in my mind that we, we, can, um, we, we can do this for a while and that's okay. Yeah. And so, so for us, I think we'll reevaluate um, every three or four weeks. And then when we feel like it's, um, it's beneficial for our church and beneficial for our community, and it's a good example for our community, then maybe we'll start to take those steps. Yeah. 
Justin, how are you communicating to your church? Are you are you communicating that like, hey, we're going to reevaluate at this point, or or are you setting dates of kind of reevaluation? Well, are you just saying kind of for now, this is where we're at? Yeah, that's a great conversation. I'm hoping none of the people at our church are on here because I haven't said any of that yet. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, if you are listening to this, it's coming. Uh, but our, our, our leadership, we've just been trying to be wise and slow, and so. Uh, tonight we have a meeting with our our really influential leaders in our church, and we're going to have this conversation with them. And and um, you know, as like staff, we're kind of um, torn of do we do we say dates? You know, because the government's not saying dates. Mm-hmm. So do we say dates or do we not say dates? What what creates stability for our people? Um, and so I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that tonight we're going to have the conversation with our core group of leaders. And then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to release a family mm-hmm. meeting video for our whole church. And we're going to communicate kind of the first stage, the first phase of this is, this is where we're headed. And this is what we're thinking, but we're, we're saying very clearly. And we've said from the very beginning that, um, that we're taking this slow and that we're, we're not gonna, we're, we're doing our best to not jump, um, you know, and be, we're just trying to be wise. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Juliet, what, are, Ben, did you have something? Well, I, I was just going to add to that and say one of the ways that we've been thinking about this is to think is to say like what what's the cost of of gathering too soon versus yeah. what's the cost of maybe being a little bit late. And for for us, it just feels very different, right? Like the cost of being too late, like oh, we probably could have gathered two or three weeks sooner. It's just a few more weeks of irritation, and I don't want to belittle that. Like, it is painful. It's hard. It's difficult, especially for those who live alone, et cetera. Like, I get that. I feel that. But, it, but we know how to do it. We've been doing it for eight weeks, and, like, we, we know how to do that. It's a few more weeks of that, but the, the potential cost of being too early uh, is just a lot heavier um, in terms of maybe contributing to increasing death rates and infection rates in our state, and so... So that's, yeah. that's, that's similar to what you're saying there, Justin. And I, I think yeah. it's worth saying that, that that's part of our calculus as well. Yeah. What's very yeah. Here. I, I mean, I, I, I had a conversation with uh, Don, who's um, a doctor at our church. And I told her, I said, I, my son wants to go back and play baseball. And for me, like in my life, baseball and church have been like the two most important things. And so, and I told him, I said, buddy, listen, like gathering as the church physically and playing baseball are not the most important things right now. And we can, we can set those aside for a time and be innovative and have a new imagination in this season and know that those things will come later, but we can be patient, you know? And, and it's hard to say that about two things that play such a huge role in your life, you know, and you love so much, but this is a season where we can say we can set that aside and we can do it differently for a while for, you know, just for this season. So, yeah, very good. It's really good. Juliet, how are you guys processing stuff in Chicago land? Yeah, very similarly to some things that Justin was saying, we, we were hit with a pretty, we have, I think over 60,000 cases in Illinois um, and mostly focused in the Chicago region. So, um, but really all, you know, all throughout the state. So um, our governor just yesterday put out like a five phase plan um, in which we're in phase two. Um, and instead of putting dates on it, you know, he sort of specified 
this is what would move us from phase two to phase three and from phase three to phase four. These things would need to be in place. Our hospitals would need to be in this kind of order. We need to be doing this amount of testing. We would need to be having this amount of um, tracing being done. Um, and so instead of putting dates on it, it's just what needs to happen to move to the next stage. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're following at our church is if we look at that five phase plan, then what does gathering in our church look like? Right now we're meeting, right now we've been meeting over Zoom um, and doing all big um, big church Zoom gatherings, but um, we're going to move next month into alternating weeks where we're doing big Zoom gatherings and then we're doing smaller gatherings according to like house groups or community groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sometimes, you know, one week we're all together, one week you're just meeting with your house group over Zoom because those will be groups of about 25 or under. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm assuming once we move into the next stage, then there's um, there will be opportunity for us to gather in small groups. But we may kind of do still the alternating thing where one week we meet over Zoom all together and then the next week we meet in smaller groups. So um, like Justin, I haven't even had a chance to uh, propose this to my leadership team. We are also having a meeting tonight where we'll be talking about this. So um, hopefully no one's listening to it right now. <laughs> I feel like everybody's in that place though, right? We're, like, yeah. we're having another meeting this week. I think yeah. this is yeah. what we're going to try, right? I, yeah. I feel like yeah. everything is so fluid that it's mm. so it's so well, tricky. And to be honest, I worked, I kind of worked on this proposal. And then last night or yesterday, the governor put forward this plan. And I was expecting him to say groups of 25 or less. And he said groups of 10 or less are sort of the next phase. Mm. And that sort of threw me off kilter, you know, because I'm like, oh, well, that's, different so you have to rethink these things from day to day yeah it's so fluid and changing so fast and i think that's one of the adaptive leadership challenges for every pastor right now Mm -hmm. is it's a new world of leadership that we're all Mm -hmm. stepping into Uh, i I do want to say i i feel like with reopening i we i've been doing a lot of coaching with pastors over the last few weeks and particularly for congregations who are change resistant uh, there is such a beautiful opportunity with reopening to make changes mm-hmm. and your church not resist it. Uh, so I, I've just been encouraging people to to view this as an opportunity to create the church that you want to create. Uh, so for us, like one of our passions has always been those mid-sized missional community groups uh, that we started off with like a flourish in those. It was really great at the beginning when we first launched and and we kind of hit a bump and we've kind of curved downward in our um, in the quality of our missional community life. And there's been some things that we've wanted to change. And so one of the things we've been discussing as a team is just, OK, so how do we use this reopening to strengthen this area of the church that we want to strengthen and solidify becoming the church that we want to become? Uh, so I do feel like even in the midst of this fluid, chaotic, crazy season, it's it's ripe with possibilities, right? It, it's, yeah. it's ripe with, with opportunity for us to kind of build the church that we want to build. Uh, the second question I, I want to focus on is just how are you making these decisions? I, I, some of you mentioned listening to state governors, listening to all those kinds of things. I know everybody's being persuaded by um, their Aunt Margaret's Facebook video that she posted this week of a nurse practitioner who's giving us all the important information about COVID. That, like, there is so much information out there right now. 
And it's all contrary to one another. Like I, yeah. I could show you four different videos about the state of Georgia that all give different data and all give different numbers. Uh, and, and so like, what's the criteria for making these decisions? Where are you getting your information in these decisions? Uh, and it feels very unprecedented for the church to even be making these decisions. So, so how are we making these decisions? Um, let's, let's go the opposite direction we went last time. So let's start with Juliet and, uh, what, how, how are you guys making these decisions and, and what's the criteria that you're thinking through with these things? Yeah. Um, you know, I do tend to, to bias the experts and uh, want to listen to like the CDC and the contagious disease experts. Um, we also have a gentleman in our congregation who's an editor for Ars Technica, which is a, a scientific publication. They do really great work. That's not sensationalized. It's not editorial. Um, it's, it's really just like, these are the facts. This is what's happening. This is the research being done. This is what we're learning. And so I read a lot of Ars Technica articles as well because they also kind of take all of the, they do a good job of sort of consolidating everything in one place. Um, in terms of like the criteria we're using, I think Justin already, I mean, I mean, everyone would agree with this, I hope, but one of the biggest criteria is, you know, what is going to preserve life in the best way. Yeah. Um, we are... And like we're neighbors to um, a synagogue uh, where our church is located. And um, the rabbi there shared something that has really stuck with me. Um, this concept of pikuach uh, nefesh, which is a, the Jewish concept of preserving life. Um, and the, it's based in Leviticus where, you know, the law is stated and it says these, these laws, if you follow them, they are meant to live by, they're meant to lead to life. And so the concept of pikuach nefesh is that preserving life takes precedence over other commandments. So they make exceptions um, in the Jewish community, even for really important things. You are allowed to break Sabbath if it's a matter of preserving life. Um, that's why when, when Jesus heals someone in a synagogue, he's not actually breaking a command. He's, he's preserving life. Um, they exempt those who are sick from fasting on Yom Kippur because of pikuach nefesh. Um, and so so the idea is, you know, it's not virtuous to risk life. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and I know that's like a, that shouldn't be like a revolutionary statement, but I think <laughs> um, sometimes it is, but it, um, mm -hmm. it's not virtuous to risk life. It's virtuous to preserve life because it's precious, because it's God given, because it's God created. And so I think just that permission to say, you know, that is the most important thing and other commandments are important we do keep Sabbath and we do observe those things. We take Eucharist together and we worship Sunday after Sunday, but those things right now, it's okay for them um, to be bumped down so that the preservation of life can be bumped up. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really helpful too. Good stuff. Uh, move on. Yeah, this move the, on. We're, do, we're done now. We're, we're done. <laughs> right, that's, that's all we need. That's all we need. That's, can you record really that cool. sermon and send it to me so that I can play yeah, it? Yeah, use that for your meeting tonight. Definitely. Yeah, use that for your meeting that. tonight. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're that's all like, great. thank you. That's <laughs> not, not that I, should, one. I, should, I should leave at this point. You should <laughs> drop the mic. Drop <laughs> the mic. Uh, there you go. Yeah, well done. Well done. Uh, any other thoughts, guys, I, I, on, on kind of the criteria? I, I do want to just encourage pastors like, 
there are organizations like the CDC. The CDC is located in Atlanta. We have one of our leaders from our church who's uh, actually gathering the data for the state of Georgia. And so it's been really helpful for us to talk to her. Um, but there are organizations that are not entertainment news organizations um, that are not some obscure video found on the internet that is giving information that is helpful. Uh, and, and I just want to encourage pastors to research reliable news sources uh, mm -hmm. and and stay away. Like I, I've had to like fast from entertainment news at this point uh, and just kind of yeah. stay away from it. So my wife and I are like five minutes a day on uh, on the entertainment news because it's so polarizing and it just it's just infuriating. And social media is is not the greatest place to to find all your news that, there. Yeah. But there are sources that are helpful. Uh, and mm -hmm. and we found our our state government um, to actually be really helpful in giving us information when we need it. Um, when we ask questions to local government officials, they've been really responsive to us and and really careful in in their thought process in dealing with us. Um, even though we laugh at some of the ways Georgia has opened up too early, uh, mm -hmm. they have been kind when we've asked questions and when we've tried to do the, yeah. the, the, the research or tried to get a hold of numbers, those kinds of things. Mm. We, Brian, we, uh, in, in your video to your church, you, you gave four criteria. Do you remember what those four were? Because they, yeah, really, they were really well done and well stated. Brian, you're really good at this pastor thing. Oh, well, well, I may stick with it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you should. You yeah, should. It, it was really well done. Consideration. Yeah, we have four questions that are guiding us. And um, as we processed it, they just became apparent that we were asking, we, we started to look at all of the questions we had. A, we have a whole list of them, obviously, but they fell into these four buckets, which is, uh, is it ethical? It's a lot of what uh, Juliet was just speaking to. And uh, that, that turns out to be for us as well, the most important driver of the conversation. Is this the right thing to do? Um, is it what love requires? Is this, is this wise? And so uh, we have a whole list of questions underneath that question. But at the end of the day, we want to know that this is an ethical decision for us to make. Uh, we are modeling something in our community that matters a great deal, will matter a great deal after this is in the rearview mirror. And we want to be sure that we've managed that well. Um, second, is it legal? So that that does matter, right? So we are get, getting information from uh, the, the whether it's the federal government or our state government or even our local communities. And we have three different counties within which we have to gather that information. And we have access to local officials that we are speaking to to get clarity about those. Because I think one of the challenges we're all facing is sometimes the information is in conflict, yeah. depending on which level of yeah. government it's come from. So uh, that's really difficult to try to figure out how do we resolve those conflicts? And then how does that throw the conversation back to the ethical question if um, a resolution isn't apparent? And then we had, uh, we asked, is it uh, missional? Is this uh, something that actually is required right now to further the mission that's being given to us in some unique way? Mm. And if it isn't, uh, what things are getting that mission done? And as has already been said, we have a lot of other options. And so one thing I mentioned in the video is we're not without options. Our church has been gathering the entire time. A virus didn't yep. close our church. And if we need to gather that way for a while longer, we can do that, you know? And mm -hmm. so... Um, and I actually believe there are some wonderful things that are happening because we haven't been able to gather or do church in the way we would typically do it. The fourth question then, I see, is it ethical, legal, uh, strategic, or missional? And is it uh, practical, realistic? Like, can we actually meet the guidelines? 
in terms of that may be uh, facility occupancy limitations or social distancing requirements or disinfecting procedures or uh, are we not going to sing or are we not going to, you know, just all of the practice, can we even do children's ministry? And at what point, if there are so many things we can't do, is it actually detrimental to me just to say we did when our ministry right. might be more effective by the other means that are already available yes, to us really when good. those considerations don't have to be met? So those were our four questions that we identified in our process. And, and we're still, I mean, we're, as we said, this, we have that date on the calendar, but it's still a fluid question for us. And those questions are continuing to guide us. Yeah, that's a great criteria, very Brian. Very, very helpful. Everybody steal that for your meetings with your, with your, with your team in you the bet. coming days, because that is so helpful uh, in thinking it's about really this. And, and it's just good wisdom, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to use mm -hmm. a filter. And it is interesting to me how in this season, it's been hard to even develop what's our filter. Uh, what, like, how do we make these decisions and how do we process this? Um, because this is a whole new world of, of, of ministry. So I, I want to encourage any pastors that are listening, um, get with wise people from your community, do these things in prayerful ways. Um, do not make decisions in a vacuum or on your own. Um, gather with your leadership teams. Uh, my leadership team has been so wonderful during this season, um, not just in helping me make wise decisions, but in encouraging me, um, in calling me and just saying, how's your family? Uh, do you want to kill your kids today? Like, are, are you, are you being a good husband? Like mm -hmm. just having that community that is, is beside you in this, um, continue to gather mm -hmm. around those people and, and, and get that advice. Any other thoughts, Amanda or Justin on, on just filters or criteria for making these decisions? I mean, I think the way that that was just laid out, that's, that's un, unwritten down. That is our, I mean, that's very much our, our criteria. I think we've also, yeah. we've been looking a lot at um, the missional piece and kind of going, okay, well, what were things that we were doing that we're not going to start doing again? Like you were saying that about changes. Um, hey, this is actually, this is a good time to make some of those changes and to, um, like when we eventually get to real conversations where there could be dates on the table for us mm -hmm. um, about reopening, um, really looking at that missional piece. Um, but we're, I, I feel like in New York, we're so far away still um, from that sort of full on reopening. It's so much smaller. It really is that those, those 10 people. And even that, I remember when we first, when we first canceled before there were restrictions on uh, amounts of people, we were like, okay, well, maybe we'll do house, you know, maybe we'll do house churches. And we decided before it was a restriction, you know what, that's actually not, it's legal right now. It feels missional and even practical, but I don't think that's ethical. I don't think that's leading us in a way yeah, it's great. that's actually a good, a, a good model for our neighbors, you know, cause again, you don't want to be that church in the news. Um, that was the epicenter for your region. So, yeah. um, so that's a great, that's a great list. I, I wrote it down. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Those are, those are good. I, I would, I would say for me personally, I had to get off of Twitter. So at the very beginning of this, I signed off, uh, for the first time in I don't know, 10 years, I, I just, I could not keep a clear mind. Um, and so I started talking to our church a lot about, protecting yourself from the information you're consuming. 
and just always evaluating like what is the information I'm consuming? Is that is that information making me more of a hopeful person or a person of despair? Mm -hmm. And what I found was I was consuming so much information that I was living with a dark cloud over me. And I just, I couldn't operate that way. I couldn't be a good husband. I couldn't be a good dad. I wasn't being a good pastor. wasn't a good human when I was doing that. And so um, I would say, Mm -hmm. be careful with the the stuff that you're consuming. And for us, it's mutual submission. We talk a lot about that with gravity, like mutual submission to our, our key leaders at our church and mutual submission to the medical professionals. And um, I'm very grateful that we have some of those at our church that I can lean on. I, I'm in conversation with them, text messaging them. And guys, I'm, I'm not moving until she tells me we can. I, I'm just not going to do that. If she, she's a connected to the, the, one of the main hospitals and the main networks here in the Charlotte area, why would I move as a church leader if she's saying, Justin, this isn't wise? And so yeah. that's that mutual submission and we have to be willing to do that um, if we're going to lead in the way of Jesus. And that's, yeah. that would be my opinion. So good, Justin. Uh, mutual submission, co-discernment are always keys to what we train in at Gravity and are so significant to how we become really effective, adaptive leaders. Uh, Ed had a really great question. Ed, I want to get back to that at the end. Uh, Ed asked, what, what is worth keeping and discarding? How do we go back? What or what do we bring with us into the future, and what do we go back to? Uh, I, I want to save that for the end, Ed, and and let that be our last question. So a little teaser to just keep Ed on the line uh, a little longer, but uh, we'll get to that question. Um, here, here's what I want to ask, and it does concern what Justin was just talking about. This we we've politicized the pandemic in America, where which is proof that we're able to. This is why we don't have nice things, guys. Uh, it's proof that we can we can ruin everything. Uh, And it's become so politicized that one side is afraid of the economy. One side is afraid of death. Um, How are you processing the polarization on this issue? How are you kind of like, like what Justin just described, how are you coaching your, your congregation through this and how are you helping them to make uh, discerning answers and, 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 and walk through all of this together? Uh, Anybody have any ideas or are we all just praying that God will show up? (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting um being in a in a place like New York City that has been so hard hit kind of with us looking at the rest of the country feeling you know <laughs> feeling like are we what happened here? How are how are you not understanding what's what's going on that we have, you know, bodies and trucks um sitting outside of funeral homes. Like this isn't it's, it's, it's a hard thing, I think, even for people in our context to wrap their head around how the rest of the country could politicize and be so polarized because it's so real um, and so, um, so apparent that it's, you know, that it's, that it's real and happening and something to take very, very, very seriously. Um, and at the same time, um, people you know, people are without, they're without work. Um, they're hungry. They're kid, they've been stuck in small apartments. And so it's like, they want to get back to normal life as quick as possible. Um, man, it's, it's a challenging thing. You talk about all of the social media, even just having friends and family across the country 
in places that are rural that don't, you know, haven't seen spikes in numbers just because they're not close to each other. You know, they don't, yeah. they're really, really good at social distancing. They've been doing it for years. Um, and so I think real like teaching our people how to, um, how to ask good questions of those that are posting things that just feel um, like a slap in the face and so offensive um, how to ask good questions, how to, how to choose love, um, for those who, who you can't, if you're not in it, you can't fathom it. You know, if you haven't actually seen what's, what's happened, if you haven't seen the streets of New York emptied out, it doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit of rambling there. No, um, it's really helpful. And I, I've been curious for you, Amanda and, and, and Dan, for you guys' family, I, I see so many comments on social media that I just think, I wonder how my friends in New York City are reading this. And I, you know, I, I have, I have four friends who've lost either parents or, or one a child uh, mm. in this, in this disaster. And, and I just read some of these things and just cringe because it's coming from Christian people who like, I know they yeah. love the Lord. I just don't know that they understand um, yeah. that what they're experiencing is not what everybody in the, in the country's experienced. And so I yeah. I've been praying for you guys in, in the midst of this, just yeah. with all the insensitivity and cringeworthy kind of conspiracy theories, or this is all fake or, or whatever those things are um, just managing all of those kinds of challenges in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead, Amanda. Well, I just, it's interesting. We don't, if you're, if you're in the city, you're not experienced. We don't have that split down the middle congregation. We have that in all sorts of other issues, you know, yes. that are happening in the world, but around this specific thing that, that kind of coming together that you maybe would have expected of a natural disaster for our country. Um, that is happening in New York city where the people who are there are like, this sucks but we're in it and we're in it together and we're going to do yeah. everything we can to care for our, and love our neighbors. Yeah. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear. And I wish that was happening all over the country. You would hope that something like this would bring out the best in us and not the worst in us, but it, it feels like some days I don't have hope that it brings out the best in us. Uh, Brian, I'm curious for you in, in kind of a rural community, uh, how are you managing this and, and what are you seeing in terms of this? This kind of, is this religious freedom? Is this personal responsibility? All of those kinds of questions that are coming up. Oh boy, now this is when I hope all the people at our church aren't watching this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, This is my biggest concern, frankly. Uh, The other concerns that are practical, logistical and so forth, uh, those don't really mess with me too much because we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get the right information. I trust God's spirit and his leading but I think this burdens my heart and it really uh, was talking with Greg, our executive pastor yesterday about this, that this is one of our biggest challenges we don't know how to face um, because there is a lot of polarization in our communities. Uh, we've sort of fallen on the spectrum that you described earlier, Ben, you know, from the totally freaking out, I'm going to leave my house, not now, not ever to uh, this is crap. And so whenever you have to try to bridge that divide and it's very apparent in social media and and our church family is, is a fantastic group of people. I mean, they, they really, we built by God's grace and a miraculous way. There's a very healthy culture that is incredibly uh, uh, loving and solid in so many ways. Our team is amazing. 
and and yet we live in communities that are um, still very polarized by the politics of the situation. And so it makes it challenging even for our people, I think, sometimes to know how do I live this out on social media or in my closest relationships? And the, the challenge for us is how do we help them with that? Where is a word that we speak helpful to the overall process? Um, or where does it then, if you will, open up a conversation about which we are apparently now on record, much of which is always open to interpretation, that actually inhibits our ability to lead this well for the long haul. And so the tension of managing a moment versus a trajectory is really, really uh, the yeah. biggest burden that I feel as a pastor right now. And so I, I, I don't want, cause this will speak a little bit to what Ed asked probably. So I'll just go ahead and go on record with part of my answer to the last question now uh, that it's hard for me to separate these two, which is uh, as Greg and I were talking yesterday, we identified again that teaching and leadership in itself can't do the heavy lifting that's required of a discipleship process. Mm. So only a discipleship process, like many of us have experienced gravity or we lead, we're just in the early stages of implementing this in our church, by the way, uh, only a long-term discipleship process that teaches people a, a discernment from the spirit that's based and grounded in love can actually solve this problem for any of us in the long haul. So whatever corrective words we may speak, you know, whatever profit hat I put on and wear temporarily, yeah. uh, it may be required, it may be necessary to inject that into the conversation and give people some perspective or awareness but that's about all it can be is momentary perspective and awareness that I doubt changes dramatically somebody's outlook if they're being discipled all of the rest of the time by entertainment media and, and politicians who have agendas. Yeah, it's good. It's really Ooh. helpful. I've, I've had to lean. I, I, I tend to have a prophetic voice. Uh, and in this season, I've had to really kind of lean into my pastoral voice. And, and uh, sometimes that's a harder place for me to grab with my personality. Um, but I've had to back off some of the prophetic rantings that I like to go on and, and some of those things. And I also just like I, it, there's something really significant that each of us are called to shepherd different communities that require different leadership. Uh, and so I have friends who um, maybe aren't in New York City like Amanda, but whose congregation on, on issues like this, it's not very polarized. It's, you know, everybody kind of believes the same thing. Uh, there's not much controversy. You can kind of make a snarky comment here or there, uh, and, and it doesn't pick up any, any juice. Uh, our, our congregation's divided down the middle uh, yeah. on, on almost all of these things. And so I, I do have to navigate that in a different way. And I do have to be cautious about the way that I communicate. And, and a lot of my sarcasm or snarkiness comes out sometimes. And, and I have to be very cautious about those kinds of things in ways that maybe some other pastors don't. So don't allow somebody else to tell you how to pastor your church. Uh, you, you need to be paying attention to the people in your community. You need to be co-discerning and mutually submitting to those people, not your seminary buddies or, or, or not your, you know, not, not what somebody's saying on Twitter. You know, if you're not preaching this, this week, you're being unfaithful, those kinds of things. Um, the, 
there, there may be some truth in some of that, but there's challenges in some of that, that, that different people don't understand the challenges of pastoring in different contexts. Uh, Julia, how, how are you guys managing this in Chicago? You know, I would say <clears throat> my congregation falls more into, I wouldn't say we're split down the middle. We're, for the most part, I would say 90% of us, it, that's like an informal poll, um, would be in the camp of like, this is a serious thing. We need to listen to the experts. Um, we're staying home. Um, and then there's a handful of folks who would be in, in a different camp of like, um, this is overblown. I'm, I don't think we can trust what people are saying about how dangerous this is. We need to just, we should be meeting. Um, you know, my, I don't know, my instinct as a pastor is always to wonder like what's going on underneath that, right? If if you're sort of confronted with, um, uh, with a lot of evidence that this is not overblown, I'm wondering then in my head, what is it that's going on for you? Is there like something you're afraid of? Is there something that, is there a grief that you're not wanting to deal with? But let's just talk a little bit about that. Let's ask questions, just like Amanda said, um, and see what's what's behind that. Um, it was very real. On the one hand, it was very real for our congregation. My sister got sick almost immediately. She's a, med she's a medical doctor and had um, treated COVID patients and got sick almost immediately. She was in the hospital. She was a young, she's 28 years old is not someone who was supposed to be vulnerable to this virus. And yet this, it just took her down. And my family for weeks, we were in fear. We didn't know how bad it was going to get. Um, and so, you know, I was sharing this with my congregation. So it, it became real for us very quickly. Um, and so I think that's part of why we've shared a lot of the same thinking about it. But um, I think for the people who have had a harder time I've I've mostly just tried to ask questions and yeah. and there there's there is fear wrapped up to it wrapped wrapped up in it there's fear of being controlled there's there's also just you know it's hard to want to believe that things are as bad as people say yeah that's like a grief that nobody wants to carry mm -hmm. and if you have the luxury of not having to carry it well yeah it's understandable why you would choose that yeah. um so I you know I try to respond with compassion and and understanding but it's it's hard it was hard it felt personal to me as i'm sure it did for you amanda you know it's it's when it's personal when you have someone you love who's struggling through this and then someone says eh, i don't really think it's a big deal it's just like the flu young people aren't going to get it um yeah. i mean i want to fight <laughs> yeah. i want to be like um excuse me let's talk about yeah. this yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. a great principle, though, Julia, is, is that idea of when you're when you're wrestling with people or, or discipling people or, or coaching with people, treat everything as a kairos. Right. So treat everything as an opportunity to ask the questions, to get beneath the surface, to talk about what God's up to in those situations, which is challenging in the season that we're in because we're not in person with with a lot of the people yeah. that we're discipling. And, and so I've found that a lot of those discussions that I would have one-on-one, -on -one, you know, on the side of a church gathering or before or after or at a meal somewhere, um, we're not able to have a lot of those discussions right now, which means I have to really be um, intentional about making contact with people, asking questions, checking in on our congregation, 
um, we're, we're just kind of going through the list of our, of our folks on our congregation and just calling them and recalling them and just saying, Hey, how you doing? We just wanted to give you a personal touch this week. Hey, everything. Okay. How's your family? Can we pray for anything? You know, those kinds of things. So those daily pastoral rhythms, I think have been really, really helpful, uh, in this season. Justin, any thoughts for us? Um, I, I heard Chuck DeGrat talk about, um, the church needs to be differentiated. Um, and I thought that was really powerful that yes, the culture, our politics are, are polarized. Uh, yes, our church is split down the middle with different, um, political ideas and thoughts, but, um, but the church must respond, um, different than, than the culture. And, um, and so I, I've been, I've been trying to remind our church that, um, if some suffer, all suffer. Um, and, and that we're, mm. we are all human beings. We're all in this together. The other thing here is we we've seen a lot of people lose their jobs. And so there's, the, seems to be this polarization between, um, those who say we need to stay at home and those who say we need to go back to work. And so that's another divide is like, it's a, a battle between the two. It doesn't have to be a battle between the two. And yes. that's what I've been trying to communicate is like, this isn't, uh, us versus them between the ones who want to go back to work and those who don't it's that there are a lot of people suffering and mm -hmm. there are a lot of people yeah. who are suffering because of the virus and they have been sick or they have lost people who were sick because of the virus. And there are people who have lost friends because of suicide um, because they lost their jobs. Those are really, those are real things. Like mm -hmm. I have, I have a member of our church who knows four people who have taken their lives since in the last eight weeks. Um, and that's, that's real. So we don't have to fight against each other and polarize this thing. It's that yeah. we're all human beings and this thing sucks. Like, mm -hmm. so, and I, I think that social media and government and, 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 uh, news stations want us to pit them against each other. And the church has to be different than that. Yeah. And, and we're not great at it, but I think that's the way that we need to lead and the example that we need to, to offer to the world around us. Yeah. Another beautiful opportunity for us to model a different way, right? The best yeah. critique of bad is the practice of something better. And, and we have that opportunity every single day in the midst of the, this, uh, this crisis, uh, last question. And, uh, this gets to your question, Ed, thanks for hanging around, uh, is how, uh, how will churches be different? How will this change the church? Kind of what's 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 your hope for the church in the future? And uh, how do you see this changing the church? I'll, I'll be honest. I um, I was pretty resistant to this question um, at the beginning of this um, crisis, at the beginning of uh, social distancing. I, I thought eventually we're just going to go like back. And, and there will be a normal. Um, but then I, I started remembering that you never go back. Like this isn't back to the future. You don't get to go back to 1985. You don't get to go back to 1955. Like you never get to recreate yesterday. And so this idea that there will, there's always an, the next moment is always new. And, mm -hmm. and even without a crisis and even without this virus, like, next month is going to be different. So then I started thinking, okay, God, like what are the new dreams then? Like in light of this current reality, what is, what is next? What is the church going to look like? And 
what was amazing was instead of fighting against that change, I started opening myself up and, and realizing that we were able to have so many conversations and dreams because of this. Like, like we, we started um, thinking through how do we care for people in a real way, not in a superficial way where we see each other once a week in a building, but how do we empower the saints? How do we empower lay people to be pastors of mm-hmm. each other and to live out the one another's? We would have we we had talked about doing that for years at our church, mm-hmm. but we didn't pull the trigger until this happened. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it's to me, it's that I, I had to be willing to see that yes, there this thing is going. There's going to be a new tomorrow because there's always a new tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would. I would say, how's the church going to be different? It's, um, (laughs) I think that, that idea of like, it's not virtuous to risk life to me is just uh, as stuck on me. Like we, we have to lead by example. So the rest of the world looks at the church and says, the church is actually about life going forward, you know, and we can talk programs. I'll do that. I could talk about programs all day long and, online and live stream and all those things. But really what it comes down to is, is the church compassionate? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we need a new reputation for <laughs> church. So if anything's going to change, maybe it's our reputation that we are actually compassionate towards one another. In the and we're actually doing something, right? And yeah, like, we're actually yeah. taking care of people. So, yeah. so I, I hope that changes. And I hope that's changing yeah. for our little church, you know? Yeah. It's great. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah, come on. May it be so. Yeah. Yeah, let it be. Uh, Other thoughts, guys? How how do you see the church changing in this? Um, I think this is a great time. You know, I think that churches throughout history who have faced less than ideal circumstances have always had to reimagine what it meant to be the church for that time and place. And so I think for us, this is a time uh, where we can collectively reimagine what it means to be church. And that church is not something we're called to go to, but it's something that we're called to be. Um, And so that's my hope is that the American church, that this would transform the church in America, um, that we would. And I know we've been saying this for years, the church is not a building, um, but now, now we really have to live that. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to live that we have to live and be the church, not go to mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. My person. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's how, about, that's how I felt about empowering the saints. I've been saying that mm-hmm. for yeah. years. You know, I think I learned that from these guys, like from the bins and from Matt, like I learned that language. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. But it was, and it was a cute slogan. And then mm-hmm. when we, we hit, this eight weeks ago, I was like, oh, mm. wait a minute. We actually have to do that? Mm. You know? Mm. <laughs> so that's how I feel about that. Is that. We have these cute slogans, and then it's like, put up or shut mm. up. And so yeah. I think that's good for us. We need that pressure to see if we can actually implement these cute things that we like to say. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have hope. And there's days when I have more hope than others, right? I, I feel like there's days when I have really, <laughs> I have hope of revival and it's coming. And there's days when I just, I, I, I think we're going to be the same. And it's, you know, three weeks after we get back together again, it's all going to. But, but my hope is that this, there's a breaking off of the consumer mentality in the midst of this. 
um, that there's a breaking off of what does the church give me and I got to find the best program and the best coffee and the comfortable seats and the best worship band. Uh, and there's a new imagination for who the church can be. That's that's where my prayers and heart has been is that it, mm. it's not just a reimagination for the leaders of the church, but a reimagination mm. for the actual church. Uh, mm. and, and it's not just talk and, and discussion and, you know, white papers about what we learned in COVID and all of those kinds of things, but it becomes actual practice mm. that's lived out in our communities. Yeah. yeah. When I think about um, even the process of reopening and the phases and the potential there, I, I think about all of these changes, like these desires that we have of empowering our people, right? Um, truly the priesthood of believers, of you know, getting rid of the consumerism and the church who actually does something. And I just, I think about in these first few phases, if we go slowly and we lean into like when it's 10 people and 25 people and we don't rush to open the doors and, you know, that's where all of that different stuff that we talk about, that longing, that's where it happens, right? Yeah. That's yeah. where, that's mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, I, I, I can't be in 10 groups of 10 at once. It's impossible mm -hmm. for me to do that. So I have to have other people who are yeah. discipled and empowered and released to lead in those yes. spaces. And okay. so for me, I, I'm thinking about this next I feel like, you know, I kind of feel like a horse, you know, pent up like before the, you know, the race mm -hmm. of just like, I can't, I can't quite go yet. I can't start implementing these things yet um, because I, I just physically can't be with people. I'm not allowed to be, it's not legal. Um, <laughs> but as soon as we start to get that slight opening, like those, I don't know, those first few weeks and months, dear God, I hope it's not years. Um, mm -hmm that that's where I would love to see a lot of the changes um, starting to be implemented. Um, but yeah, everything, everything that you were saying, man, about em empowering yeah. our people. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that, that has yeah. been, I've just been like, Oh, finally. Yeah. Cause I can't, cause I can't now. I really I physically mm -hmm. can't. So other people have to, Yeah. Um, which that's one of those, those I, gifts. I think it's worth saying to, I, I know a lot of uh, people have, uh, spent time saying this already, but um, uh, in other platforms, but I think that new imagination will come as we learn to lament what we are truly losing yes. as well. So I think sometimes people can hear talk of, oh, the new imagination for the church and there's all these people excited, but like all I feel, and I think a lot of our people sometimes just feel grief over what they've lost. Mm -hmm. And we truly have lost something good. I'm thinking about our church in particular, we were, we were in a really uh, great, we were, there was growth and momentum happening. We sort of felt like it was in a sweet spot right when this hit. And like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's beginning to dawn on me, I guess now, like, oh, I like, that was good. And it like, this interrupted it legitimately. It interrupted good things that were happening mm -hmm. in our church. I have to lament that. I have to let myself mm -hmm. feel sad about that and let that go. And I trust that on the other end of that, there is new imagination. And I know God's present and I know God's at work, um, but that's kind of the, the, the weird way I think the cross and the resurrection holds together for us, lament yeah. and creativity, uh, lament and new life. You know, those, those things go together for us as Christians. And so I think that's something we need to keep leading our people into um, in these mm -hmm. days. Really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love uh, Walter Bergman when he talks about the prophetic. He says the task of the prophetic is to criticize and energize. Uh, at, at Gravity, we, we, we talk about critique and imagination. Uh, and uh, I feel like sometimes, well, I'll, I'll just name this for myself. For me, uh, prior to all of this, I felt like I was much better at critique than I was imagination. Uh, and I feel like this is growing our imagination. Uh, we're almost forced to reimagine. And, and when you grow those muscles, something beautiful begins to happen. And, and so I have faith for the dreams of the new church and hopes for the future that involve us reimagining how to love and how to serve and how to be on mission in, in really beautiful ways. Uh, Brian, final thoughts for us. What, what do you what do you think? How the how will the church change? I hope we we talk a lot about knowing how to be with Jesus, so we can learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. Mm. That's just language that we use, and uh, and I think most disciples of Jesus, most Christians, most church people, are pretty compelled by the whole idea that I need to live and love like Jesus. So you know, we get that. We'd like to think we do a fairly good job of it. If we don't, we hope we do better tomorrow, and so forth. I think it's harder for us to imagine what it looks like to be with Jesus and to learn from Jesus, or at least to have well-developed practices mm. by which we do that. Yep. I hope, I hope, and I pray, maybe this is partly where I'm at in my own journey as a disciple and pastor and where I, I feel like our church probably is, but I hope and pray that on the backside of the situation, which I agree, man, I hope is sooner rather than later, especially for the sake of those of you who are in the, the zone that you're in. I hope there's a new hunger in the hearts of God's people to want to be with Jesus so I can learn from Jesus, to actually hunger for what that would look like, to say, show me that, teach me that, sign me up for that. I want that more than I want the cookies, the coffee, the great music, or whatever else yes. it is that we often use to characterize yeah. our life with Christ and his church. And so if the church could be repositioned for people, for people, um, if people desired that, and the church could be repositioned in such a substantive way, that that would become the daily order of business for God's people, uh, that would be, that would be a dream come true. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let it be, Lord. Yeah. Be. Uh, I, this has been such a good conversation, guys. I am so grateful that we have such a, a wonderful tribe of people in the, in the gravity leadership world. I, like I, I just, there's so many people that I respect so deeply. Um, and I'm so grateful to like, I, I've got a page full of notes here from, uh, from this today that, uh, is so helpful for me, uh, as I navigate all of these things. And so I, I do want to just encourage anybody, if you're looking for a tribe to belong to, or if you're looking for a group to connect to, uh, we, I, I like gravity leadership and I like the tribe that's here and I like what's happening here. We got a few openings. We got some open positions. And then we do have some uh, a couple online events coming up. Do we want to mention those? Yeah, we, we might as well. We are this Saturday. We're doing a um, uh, an enneagram a workshop, an online enneagram workshop about specifically about how stress uh, shows up for each enneagram type. So um, uh, look for that. You can just go to gravityleadership.com uh, slash enneagram dash online. I think. And then uh, next Saturday, May sixteenth, we're doing a parenting. Parenting workshop, parenting in a pandemic. How do we practice <laughs> grace and truth in yeah. quarantine? 
so yeah, we're trying to, it, these days when we can't travel around to churches and, and host these workshops, we're trying to um, uh, bring some of that training online. So hope to see you at one of those events. Yeah. Thanks guys so much for being with us. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your love and compassion. Uh, love all you guys and appreciate everything you brought to the table today. So right on. Yeah. thanks for joining Likewise. us today, guys. Yeah. Good to meet you guys. Bye-bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.